Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the portable sanitation podcast. My name's Pete and I'll be your host. Today's episode is an edited version of my conversation with John Gaddakin, the Chief Executive Officer at Service Corps. John and the team at Service Corps invited me to take part in their very first customer success webinar, which went out on Thursday the 10th of December in the US. It was a real honour to be asked to take part in that webinar. And the subject was my top 10 trends for portable restroom operators in 2021. Now, I based my responses on my conversations and research as I've produced the show over the last six months. I'm not saying that my top 10 are the only top 10, but they're the ones that I think will be really important as we move into the new year. There's no need for any further introduction from me. Let's get straight into my conversation with John Gaddakin, which was facilitated by Dalton at Service Corps. Hello and welcome everyone to Top 10 Trends for Pros in 2021. My name is Dalton Handy. I work in marketing here at Service Corps. And uh, we're so happy to have everybody joining us here on this end of year webinar to help everybody get ready for the next upcoming year. We are very honored to have Pete from Get Flushed here joining us. If you're not familiar, Pete is a former pro who started the very first podcast dedicated to the portable sanitation industry. So I believe he's got listeners in over 50 countries at this point, the majority of which are in the U.S., but it's really been cool to see his podcast take off throughout the, uh, the last year or so and really gain some traction in the marketplace. Pete will be joined on the Service Corps side by John Gaddikin, featured there with his dog, Tucker, who is a, is a good dog. But uh, John's been in the industry for 20 years. Uh, he is a co-founder of Service Corps, which was uh, previously... 1BG. So John's got a ton of experience both in the waste industry as well as in software. So with that said, and everybody all set up, I'll kick it over to Pete and we can dive in to uh, start talking about his top trends for 2021. Kia ora, good morning. It's a real pleasure to do the webinar this morning with Service Corps. For listeners who are not familiar, we did an episode with John and Joy um, back in, would it have been August, I think, maybe John? Mm-hmm. I believe it was August, August, yeah. And that was part of a trend. I was looking at the emerging trends in software. I was on the search for the holy grail of sanitation software. And John and Joy got in touch and we ran through. And I think I entitled that um, One Hand on the Holy Grail, that episode. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Yeah. So John and Joy asked me to come along today. And I've spent a couple of weeks just thinking around some of the issues that I've seen emerging as I've talked to various pros and suppliers around the world. And I think any discussion about trends in 2021, we need to start by thinking about the impact of COVID. Obviously, it's been a very disrupted year. Lots of events have been cancelled. Demand for sanitation, however, has continued to increase, mainly, I think, because of the focus on hygiene and hand washing. And a lot of the portable restroom operators I'm working with are telling me that they're approaching maximum utilisation. So a lot of them are very, very busy, busier than they've ever been before. And that means it's a boom time for the sanitation industry. But there are a couple of issues that we need to be aware of as we go into the new year. And the first, I think, is the global position on low interest rates. It's very cheap in most economies at the moment, pretty much every economy around the world. It's very cheap to borrow money. And if you have a sanitation industry that's booming and interest rates are low, that potentially will attract lots of new entrants. 
And I know from talking to my suppliers that they've been fielding calls from people who are not in the sanitation industry, but see that the volume of the market is increasing and they're keen to get on board and enjoy the ride. Low interest rates and new entrants could pose a real threat to the industry. However, my second point there is that the supply chain is beginning to creak. Certainly in New Zealand, we're a long way from anywhere else in the rest of the world. And I think we're a bit of a barometer for market trends. The number of maritime ships that are traveling to New Zealand, the number of planes that are traveling to New Zealand is much reduced compared to this time last year. And what we're starting to see is that manufacturers are struggling to get products on the ground and I think that's happening pretty much across Europe and North America as well. Some factories in the sanitation industry have been closed because of COVID, either lockdown or they've had outbreaks of disease within the factory on the production line. So that means the supply chain is being interrupted. I was going to ask you a quick question. When you were talking about the interest rates and people being able to, to get money, are you seeing a trend where the manufacturers themselves are offering to be able to loan out money or to be a part of that financial decision? Or are you seeing people going to more of the traditional banks that they've typically done to start their businesses? I've seen a little bit of both. The series sponsor for the podcast was Sanitrax, and their products are very expensive. And they've been able to broker a lease-lend deal with a finance house that's allowed them to offer products to entrants who perhaps might not have had the capital available to be able to do that. But certainly here, I mean, business interest rates are very low. We're seeing 2 and 3% maximum for loans. So lending is cheaper than it has been. The one thing I wanted to also say on our software side, as you said, the events were kind of just decimated. But we do see that our people are busier than ever. They're adding more drivers, more technicians to our platform. And, and because the cleanings, the amount of cleanings that they need to do. And, and uh, my goodness, if you can get your hands on a hand washing station, um, you know. <laughs> it followed on. First of all, we saw a shortage of toilet paper and then sanitizer disappeared from stock. And then hand wash basins have been incredibly hard to source. And we've seen lots of new entrants um, in suppliers, certainly coming out of China, where products are being offered. If you can get basins, you're in business. It's the, the market at the minute, demand is so high. And you're quite right about the multiple cleanings. People have gone from maybe weekly cleaning to everyday cleaning. And the drama will be if existing operators are at maximum capacity, they've not got any option to provide new sinks, new bathrooms to new customers where are those people going to go? That's the challenge, that if demand keeps increasing, customers will need to be serviced, but there's not, not a lot of capacity at the moment. And certainly leading times for stock in New Zealand, I know our leading distributor normally keeps 200 toilets in stock on the shelf ready to go out to customers today. This is to sell to PROs. They're currently out of stock and their next shipments aren't expected to land in New Zealand until gone February, March. So there physically are no new toilets available for hire or for sale to operators at the moment. Talking to Formit in Australia last week, their lead-in time for production is normally seven to 10 days. At the moment, it's 28 to 38 days. Have you seen the manufacturers being able to solve their COVID issues in the factories and get back to work and get their, their workers in there in a, in a safe capacity? Yeah, I, I won't name names, but I know of two manufacturers in the US who had factory shutdowns because of illness in the factory, and both of them are back into production. But the issue will be that components that aren't made in-house are becoming increasingly difficult to secure. Some of that is because demand's increased elsewhere, 
Some of it is that the shipment time's taking a lot longer than would normally be expected, and they've pretty much used up their reserves. Makes sense. Yeah. The one thing I would warn against, and point three there, trend number three, is about price cuts and competition. If you start to see new entrants coming into the market, they'll obviously poach or attempt to poach existing customers. I would urge against any restroom operator reducing prices in the current market. There simply is buoyant demand, reducing prices to win customers it is not a sustainable option. We see it time and time again, and it usually leads to poor service for the customer and poor reputation for the provider. Nobody wins with price war. It's very similar in, in the United States when there's a big hailstorm or something like that, and then all of a sudden you have everybody's knocking on the doors to try and get that different business. You've got to be very, very careful as a consumer on who you're going to work with. Just because they jump in doesn't mean they're going to be sustainable in, in, business in a year, year from now. <laughs> and you know, the barriers to entry for portable sanitation operators are really low. You, you essentially need toilets and a vacuum tank, and you can make do with a trailer and put the tank on the trailer if you don't have a truck. So if you've got the money and you've got the equipment, you're in business. But there's a lot of tacit knowledge that goes with providing portable toilets. And, and I started the podcast because I'd opened the doors of toilets at festivals and honestly thought I'd walk through the gates of hell. And it would be really easy to fall into the trap of taking on a new provider who's offering a cheap or a low price service. And then you find out that actually they're not experienced enough or they're not set up properly and they're just not delivering the service that your trusted regular supplier is able to provide. The thing I would say to existing restroom operators is make sure you're close to your suppliers. If they're supplying you and have been supplying you for a long time, there's a bond of loyalty there. And I've already seen across many of the suppliers I've been in touch with that they're only selling to existing customers. It happened initially with toilet paper, it happened with sanitizer, it's now happening with toilets and wash stations. That if you are already buying from your supplier, they will continue to sell to you and they're less likely to sell to a new entrant because they don't want to lose their existing relationships. My second piece of advice would be get close to your competitors. It might sound a bit strange, but if you're in town and there are two or three operators, get to know them and agree to work with them. Collaboration is a win-win for everybody. You'll find that you won't step on each other's toes, you won't poach customers from each other, but you may help each other out. And a united front against new entrants is better than you all being picked off piecemeal one by one. Great Looking outside the immediate issues of COVID and the supply chain and, and interest rates issues, I've seen a couple of technological advances over the past year that I've been really excited about. And the first is in the software field. And John, I'm sure you'd be able to jump in here and, and add more to my insights. But I'm starting to see software engineers designing systems that will allow you to track your toilet waste in real time. So the first piece of work that I've seen is an outfit who've developed sensors that sit inside the toilet tank, and they're working with either infrared or echo sound, and they measure the depth of the waste in the toilet tank. And the benefit of that is that signal can beam back to the restroom operator in real time. It gives you the option to be able to service on need basis rather than service on a fixed schedule. So if you know that the toilet tank is 80% full, you know that you need to send the driver there in the next day or so. And that potentially offers a, a huge cost saving for restroom operators, although there is a flaw in it that I've seen at the moment, which is the general cleanliness of the unit. Knowing that the tank is full is only part of the reason we visit when we service units. Cleaning the restroom 
disinfecting the surfaces and restocking the consumables are another issue. I'm not seeing anybody measure how much toilet paper is left, but I am seeing them measure how much waste is in the tank. So that potentially is a real emerging bonus for restroom operators. When people are using our product, when the technicians are out there, there, there's an app that they can actually track like heavy usage, moderate usage. Our customers are able to kind of monitor those types of trends and stuff in a different area. And they can also put in like how many gallons were pumped and those type of things and, and run reports. I agree with you. Some of the next gen stuff is definitely we also service the roll-off industry, but again, it's the same type of situation. Whenever a tank is full or a container is full, that way it can automatically you know, let that provider know. I, I agree with you. I think that that's going to be one of the big emerging trends that we do see. And the move away from fixed time servicing offers potential savings for restroom operators. At the minute, we go and we clean toilets on a weekly or two-weekly basis. If you arrive on site and it's barely been used because maybe it's a residential construction site and the workers haven't been there this week, they've been on another job, it's essentially a wasted trip. If there's no waste in the tank and the blue's been refreshed at the last visit, there's really no reason why that toilet would need to be cleaned other than a wipe down for dust. Well, even on the flip side, if it is a heavy use toilet, um, if, it, if it's automatically monitoring itself, there's uh, ways that you're actually to, able to increase the service, increase your revenue. So like I yeah. said, I agree. I think that'll be a, a really neat thing that um, we start seeing in the next years or so. The second trend on the screen there is the issue about say no to blue liquids. Now, this is an environmental concern. When I've spoken to wastewater treatment operators, We've seen an increasing move towards volumetric charges. So when you empty the toilets and you take your tanker to the dump site and you open the valve, many of those sites now are measuring the volume of waste that you deposit. But talking to the engineers over the last two months, we're starting to see real-time sampling of waste for two elements. The biological oxygen demand, which is how much oxygen needs to be forced through the waste in order for the anaerobic processes to be halted and allow the aerobic digestion of waste to occur. And then the total suspended solid. So how much solid matter is in that waste? At my local wastewater plant now, they're sampling every load that's dumped and they charge a multiplier. So if the volumetric charge is $10, then they're charging that by 0.8 or 0.75 or 3.2 and adding that as an extra charge to the waste disposal fee. Now, there's an opportunity there for restroom operators to reduce their BOD and their TSS weightings in the loads that they're carrying. And there's an opportunity for them as well to avoid pouring other chemicals into the toilet waste, which incurs additional charges. We're seeing a couple of new products come onto the market that can really change the action of toilet chemicals. They're a biological treatment rather than a formaldehyde or a non-formaldehyde chemical treatment. The first product I've talked about in the show is called PortaClear. That's definitely an organic product that allows the waste matter to separate down into, a, I call it a, a, a gruel or a soup, but it, it removes and eliminates the odour of the waste. And it also helps to reduce the BOD and the TSS load when the waste is dumped. And there are some trials already on the way where that's being rolled out by toilet operators in North America with some success. And it's a move away from traditional blue toilet chemicals. Are you seeing no. price for traditionals versus the new biological stuff that's coming out? Is it price-wise competitive? 
It is. And the difference is the dosing level. So where you're dropping in one or two of the blue sachets, the Portaclear product arrives in a liquid form and it's very easy to dose. The dilution rate is very, very low. One or two fluid ounces per gallon at the very, very most. That's wonderful. A uh, price, you know, because if it's competitive, yeah. it's the right thing to do. So that sounds wonderful. And of course, the industry is a very low margin industry. So you, you make lots of money by having lots of toilets on hire and you might not make a huge margin on each toilet. But when you've got lots and lots on hire, that's when your margin builds up. So operators are often very sensitive to price. The other one that we're seeing is in the treatment works themselves. They're starting to introduce systems. There's a, one on the market called Sludge Hammer, which is a, an oxygen based setup where it aerates the waste in the tank and encourages the septic tank waste to dissolve. Now, PROs typically don't pump septic tanks, but I'm wondering if we'll start to see the sludge hammer system and variants of deployed on portable toilets. I'm not seeing a future for composting toilets in the PRO market. I know that's often discussed. My initial reaction would be the timescales don't allow that. Portable restaurants just aren't on site long enough. There is an exciting product called Luwatt, and this, this will sound, may sound gross to some listeners, but it separates the liquid and the solid is vacuum formed into a biofilm. So you get a daisy chain of solid waste contained in a film, which is then taken either to the composting site or they're burning it to produce energy for other uses. So there are some alternatives. Will those changes happen quickly in the portable restroom market? Probably not. I think we'll see some early adopters make good gains by using the certainly the Portaclear product. And we'll see some early adopters making interesting gains, maybe in the event space with products like Luwatt. But we're a fairly slow moving industry. And I think I said to you off air, John, the portable toilet cabins you see today are very similar to the cabins we saw 40 years ago. It's a tank and a seat and a toilet cabin with a door that you close for privacy. We're not seeing many changes. Yeah, absolutely. Six and seven, low volume water flushing and vacuum flushing toilets and air flushing units. Regular listeners to the show will know that I've been sponsored by Sanitrax, who produce a modular freshwater flushing vacuum system. And that is a game changer for two reasons. One, it's a very clean and hygienic solution for the restroom user. It's like an airplane toilet. There's no smell. You flush and it uses a very low amount of water. And then the second is that the waste can be transported away from the source. So you can have it pumped direct to sewer if it's at a large event or to a holding tanker in, a ne in the next paddock. The third gain that you get with that system is that you can move 66 units on a truck instead of a traditional 20 or 22 that you get with a full-size portable toilet cabin. So that technology will start to emerge. I understand that satellite have been playing with vacuum flushing models. And I know that in Australia, you're no longer allowed. I think there's one state where you may, but in most states in Australia, you're not allowed to put open tank toilets on the ground anymore. So the move towards flushing toilets is gaining more and more traction. And I think the impact of COVID may see other jurisdictions adopt flushing only toilets. Now, the restroom market in New Zealand, I would suggest that maybe 85% of our toilets on the ground, maybe more than that, but 85% minimum of our toilets on the ground are open tank toilets. And if we have increased regulation because of COVID, perhaps that we're no longer able to see open tank toilets, most of our fleet will either be obsolete or will need to be retrofitted with a flushing seat and a freshwater tank to hold the flush. The second bit on the back of that is the next generation of those vacuum toilets will be air flushing. There won't be any water involved. We're starting to see those emerge and there have been some trials 
very successful. You don't need to transport anything. You just need a tank to hold the compressed air. You don't need water and the waste can be moved fairly long distances just under the force of air pressure alone. Again, great gains. Will we see them immediately? Probably not. We'll see more take up of the Sanitrax-based systems for event work. And I project, John, that the events market will explode as soon as the COVID vaccine has been rolled out and the markets are opening again. We're very fortunate in New Zealand that we don't have very many restrictions. We're social distancing, but we've got no restrictions on internal travel. Some of our events have already taken off again and they've been sold out within minutes. People are chomping at the bit to enjoy the event market once again. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, you know, we'll start seeing the, the this wave of vaccines coming out and then hopefully uh, we get to a point, you know, in the spring, summer where those events are kind of back happening again. I think they'll they'll definitely probably be a little different than we're uh, totally used to. There'll be some different aspects to them. But I think I think um, socially people are ready to get out there and, and start enjoying themselves and, and be around people and all that. So I think that uh, we're going to see events come back very, very strong. I was going to ask, when you look at these two technologies, are you thinking that this is months, a couple of years, two, three years? Well, what, what is your uh, thoughts on when we're going to actually see these as more of a normal type thing versus yeah. uh, you know something else? So the technology is already available. So the products are out there and some operators have been early adopters. I know that some of the Sanitrax units are being deployed in New Zealand between now and Christmas. And I know that Live Nation in the US were already using them at events pre-COVID. The uptake on those products will depend on the appetite of the investors. Restroom operators with an existing fleet may feel that they're okay. And they for, for the next year, maybe in the next two years, they'll be able to continue rolling out through events with their existing fleet. But the rest of the world is now onto the sanitation debate. They're aware of the standards in sanitation. COVID will only make them increasingly aware. I would think it will come sooner than it would have done otherwise. Pre-COVID, I would have said maybe five, six years before we see a good saturation of those products in the event space. Now I'm thinking within the next two years, just because people are, are aware and are keen for improved standards. Absolutely. Customer portals. John, feel free to jump in any time on this because I know, I know it's one of your babies. As I've talked to restroom operators and their software suppliers, and I've talked to five or six different software producers at the moment, one of the things that they're pushing forwards with is a customer portal. Traditionally, the interaction between the customer and the restroom operator has either been face-to-face with the driver, if it's an owner-operator, smaller mom-and-pop operation, or with the office via telephone. And increasingly, as we've seen, the high street banks have closed down and all of your banking now is done on your banking app on your mobile phone. Restroom operators are on the verge of being able to offer that to their customers. So customer will have a a login, will be able to order a delivery, a service and a pickup. At some point, I think the options will narrow down. I, I wouldn't suggest the customer will be able to schedule their visit, but they'll certainly be able to say, can I have a visit within the next day or the next two days? I probably heard five or six times already this week about about customer portals. Um, we we first saw it uh, heavy in the roll off industry where people just wanted to be able to schedule, uh, pick up a delivery. When you look into the portable market, we see the same type of things. 
right now we, we have a small version of it where we can actually place like a, a widget in and you can actually order a service or a pickup or whatever. And it just kind of comes in as an email um, right now because then it needs to be scheduled. Um, what we're really hoping to do is to actually tie it into our entire scheduling system to kind of make it a seamless event really for both customer and, and operator. There's lots of really uh, neat things for for the operator. Um, if you allow a customer to log in and pay a bill, you can allow them to do that. You can see the the, uh, the volumes. You can see the trends uh, of what's going on and where I have toilets, how many cleanings, all of those different type of things. And it's a really good way for both operator and, and customer to kind of come together to, to actually have all the data that they need to plan for years out. Also to be able to kind of justify like, no, you do need to have more cleanings here. Notice that, you know, where your activity is on this site and, and whatnot. So I see the customer portal being really kind of a big, big part of what's going on. And I also see that, uh, you know, when you have technology such as a, a cell phone, to be able to have a barcode or something like that, just to easily be able to scan it and then just send a message straight into the system, like I need this cleaner picked up or whatever. Um, it's just a great tie-in as far as uh, to consumer and, and the operator. Without a doubt. And there's a hidden benefit, I think, to the restroom operator of that. I remember back to management school and being taught about when you're growing your business, one of the most successful strategies you can adopt is to encourage employee engagement, give your staff a sense of ownership. And a customer portal will do exactly the same with your restroom customer. It will bring them into the business, make them feel involved. And the access to that, if they feel that they're a very close relationship with the supplier, the operator, they're much less likely to jump ship. And I've said many times in the podcast, I've had conversations with customers who phoned me and said, oh, Pete, we've been offered a deal three or four dollars a month cheaper than you're able to offer us. Man, the phone call costs more than that to make. Right. If you can engage with your customers through a portal and give them more visibility and a sense of ownership, it will only build your relationship. And that will be one of the keys to retaining their long term business. That, I think, will happen sooner rather than later. That will be, there'll be a much quicker uptake on that when it becomes commonly available, simply because if you're not operating that software, you'll be left behind and customers will go to providers who are able to offer that. And the second one on the screen there, real-time tank monitoring and data. We see this already with tracking, that when operators have installed GPS in their vehicles and the customer phones and can see where or asks, when will my toilet be serviced? And the office crew can look on screen and say, well, the driver's two blocks away or he's a, a day away. We'll see that increasingly tied into the servicing regime on the toilets. So if some of the remote monitoring technology I spoke about previously with the customer portal, if those can align and with a 5G network, this is all immensely possible. You give your customers much greater insights into what's happening with their restrooms. The number of times I see posts on Facebook groups where customers have called operators and said, my toilet hasn't been cleaned, and they ring to complain. And then when the operator goes back through the GPS logs, they see that the toilet was actually cleaned half an hour ago. If we can cut all of that out so that the customer can see immediately that their toilet is being cleaned or that the toilet is due to be cleaned, it's got to be a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. The, the technology is available to you know, send a simple text message, email, uh, you know, we're on our way. Uh, the toilet has actually been completed. 
at Service Corps, we can definitely send those out. We're working on it as a complete automated information so you can turn it on and off so you know exactly what's going on with the, you know, the units as a customer. And I agree, tying all that back in. It really is the banking model. You know, at first, people still wanted to go into banks. Now, I I rarely go into a bank. I can do everything, you know, from an app. It's wonderful. So the same yeah. thing. Um, we will be seeing this type of technology in, in, the, in the portable restroom industry very, very, very quickly. Yeah. And I'll temper all that by saying there are still a lot of operators out there who aren't using any software. There are still a lot of operators who are running with diaries and spreadsheets and they're doing things manually. They will need to catch up because they'll be left behind. And customers are increasingly tech savvy. And if they know that these things are being offered by other providers and that they're being offered for the same price that other providers are able to offer offer the service, you'll lose out. If you're not, if you haven't um, electronified your set up within the next two years, I think you'll be doing yourself a huge disservice. And I'm not pushing any of the software models. I'm just saying you need to be aware that these things are happening and that other companies are getting on board really quickly. Well, we see it every day. People are, it's amazing even how some large businesses are still trying to use a, well, at least they've moved to Google Calendar for some things like that, but they're, they're really running on pen and paper or spreadsheets. We have, um, just several tools that we use in our sales process that shows them from, hey, if you do some optimization of your routes, you're going to save this much on gas. If you don't know where your units are, you're probably not maintaining or servicing those units yeah. on the, ba- the the frequency that they deserve. You're missing out on revenue. So there's not just Service Corps, but there's lots of uh, reasons why you should be moving towards a technology that is helping you manage your business because you're just going to increase your efficiencies and you're going to save money and you're going to make more money. And that's what business is all about. So, Uh, John, I've I've seen some companies do the technology, the software rollout really, really well. And I've been hugely impressed by how accurate their information is and how well informed all of their driving staff are. The technology has been done with them rather than to them. I think that's a real key. You need to make sure that the rest of the crew understand the software and can use the key functions. The other thing that I I also see against that is that there are still a lot of operators who don't number their toilets. And I struggle to understand how you can keep track of what you've got on hire without some form of numbering system, whether it's a, a number marked on the toilet with a Sharpie pen or whether they're engraved or what we're seeing now is RFID tags where you hold your device up and it registers the number of the unit. A very simple PRO 101 tip for me would be make sure every toilet in your fleet has a number so that you can track it, whether you're still using paper or whether you've moved on to a software model. You bet. In those barcodes, <laughs> so there's stickers out there that are, are made to withstand any kind of elements, whether it's heat, yeah. cold, hurricanes, water, sun, I mean, yeah. they, you know, and, and they're very cheap. And, and again, just being able to scan, it'll geolocate exactly where that unit is, you know where it is, it offers proof that it was serviced. I mean, there, I can go on and on about yeah. uh, the importance of it, but I agree. And it, it's not that expensive. It's not, a, in my opinion, a cost barrier at all. If anything, you're just losing out by not doing it and you're going to make more money knowing where your units are and being more efficient. Yeah, and the aim of the software, I think, is to make everything easier, more efficient and more effective for everybody who's involved. Yep, I agree. Yeah.
emerging ownership models. Traditionally, portable restroom operators have been the only place in town where you can get a portable toilet. So you'd ring your local supplier, explain your need and ask for a delivery to be made. What we're starting to see is that businesses are starting to purchase their own units. And some of that is driven by the fact that it was increasingly more difficult to get hold of toilets because the restroom operators are at maximum capacity. But there is a changing appetite that I'm seeing that building construction companies, civil project management companies are starting to buy their own fleet. And that effectively squeezes out the higher component for restroom operators. Many of those companies don't want to own a sanitation truck and they don't want to sanitize and clean their own toilets, but they will prefer to own the assets. So they'll absorb the capital cost of owning the units and they'll write that off against the ongoing higher costs. The Sanitrax model has set a precedent for that in that Live Nation, big event organizers, bought their own units. And they did that because there was no other provider, no restroom operator able to provide those units. There's a new unit that Sanitrax have produced, which is a construction module. It's a craneable unit. You can put it on the floors of your build. Once it's installed, it's vacuum connected, so you don't need to empty it. The time savings, the opportunity time savings for that unit are huge. It's been slow to get off the ground because the current market has made everybody a little bit hesitant in terms of construction. A lot of the projects have just stalled or stopped with COVID. And a lot of the restroom operators have been just biding their time, wondering whether or not they're ready to invest. If you leave it too late, you will see the construction companies buy those models and the PROs will be squeezed down. The threat there is that once companies own their models, it's not a huge step to buy a truck and employ sanitation staff. And then we increase the number of competitors who are in our space and our share of the market shrinks. So I would encourage restroom operators to be brave and to work with their existing customers. There are lots of reasons why construction companies shouldn't buy kit. They lease trucks, they lease vehicles, they lease machinery. They shouldn't be buying toilets. Sadly, we've seen in New Zealand, two of our large um, DIY retail stores now sell portable toilets in their product lines. I won't judge the quality or the standard of the models that they're selling, but they're a toilet that you can go and buy for less than $1,000, and therefore you don't need to rent one from a PRO. How do you suggest then the, the, the PRO, as far as working with these construction companies, do you recommend that they just go ahead and bring this up even before it happens um, and get those meetings started and those conversations? What, what advice would you have for that? I'm a fairly open book. I'd put it on the table. I'd have the conversation. If you're running a hire company, you will already be used to having the conversation that it's not in your customer's interest for them to own plant. They're then lumbered with the service regimes, with the compliance regimes. Toilets aren't quite the same in that there's no state compliance or regulation for the, the quality of the toilet or the machine hours on the toilet. But I'd certainly put it on the table. The things that PROs can provide are they're experts in hygiene, they're experts in sanitation, they're experts in cleaning, and they've usually got the equipment and the tools to be able to move those toilets at short notice if required. Customers will buy their own toilets if they've been repeatedly let down by their PRO. If the toilets aren't being maintained or cleaned, if they're broken, if they run out of paper, run out of sanitizer. So it's all about service, John. Keep on top of your game, you keep your customers happy, and the emerging ownership model won't be such a threat. On those lines, in addition to like new entrants 
Are you seeing in terms of like mergers and acquisitions? Do you think that those are, are we're going to see more of those happening out there? Or, or do you think it's going to be more status quo? Big picture, if the sanitation industry appears to be profitable to outside investors, they'll be looking for acquisitions. There's often a joke in the, in the industry that there are no secrets in portable sanitation, but I'm not going to reveal any that I may know of. <laughs> well, um, I, had a, I had a call the other day from, um, so it was a, a, a gentleman who was actually in the VC world. He actually brokered a deal for one of the, the larger um, acquirers out there. And anyway, he was very enthralled with the uh, waste business. So now he's sitting on the sidelines. He's made some money and he's looking to go in and purchase uh, possibly a portable toilet company and wants to you know, grow. So he wanted to, from our standpoint, he wanted to start with software so he could actually you know, get the efficiencies and everything else. So, so this is where this gentleman was actually uh, seeing where his opportunity was on a lot of the things that we were talking about. If he could go in and take somebody that maybe was that pen and paper type thing and create those efficiencies. And okay. what uh, for, for him, he saw the opportunity where I see the other side of it is if you're looking to get out of the market and you're on and pen and paper, if you do not create the efficiencies now, your multiple is going to be much smaller than what it could be. So, again, I would encourage if, if you're retiring or you're thinking you're going to move on, get those efficiencies up. Your business is going to be definitely worth more. It, it's a great time to sell, John. There's no doubt about that. The one thing that I would say is that quite often when people are coming up for retirement or they've reached the end of their sanitation journey and they're looking to sell, the one thing that burns buyers is buying an old, decrepit fleet. So if you've got toilets that are past their use-by date and they're very tired, and there's often a reluctance to dispose of old toilets, but if your fleet is looking shabby and you're ready to get out of the industry, I would think long and hard about whether or not you need to invest in some new product before you sell on. And that sounds counterintuitive because you don't want to spend money before you make money. But if you're sticking with an old fleet, a tired fleet, you're looking to get out, you have to accept that people are aware of that now and that they'll do their due diligence and that your selling price will be lower as a result. Exactly the same with software. If it's a pen and paper business, people don't buy goodwill anymore. So if you're handing over a pen and paper based business on written on spreadsheets or the back of a diary, that's going to be less attractive to an investor than somebody who's operating with the latest software package and can show a good, consistent and reliable model. The last thing I wanted to ask, and I know we'll uh, feel some questions from yeah. some, for some people is, you know, so with COVID, obviously there uh, and I love the term new normal. But, uh, you yeah. know, as far as what are, what are your thoughts, your time frames on when to maybe expect more of a new normal? I know we talked a little bit about when events get back in. I'm just curious. It's a, it's a, there's no right or wrong. I was just um, wanting yeah. to know your, your, what your thoughts are. So I said at the start, I think New Zealand's a, a, a fair barometer for the rest of the world. So we had an eight week lockdown earlier in May, April, April, May. And we're back to normal. And we came back to normal pretty quickly. We've had one minor lockdown in Auckland since then, but we've got very few cases of COVID in the country. Most of it is in managed isolation as it's come in. You wouldn't know driving around that we'd been through a COVID pandemic. So the vaccines now being rolled out. If the uptake is fairly high, if the uptake's high and that the numbers are good and that the immunity levels lift, I would think we'll start to see the rest of the world come back to some sort of normality within the next 12 months. 
That said, early on in the piece, we've got family friends who work for airlines. They'd lost their jobs. They were long haul crew. They'd been told that they'd get their jobs back, but probably not for three or four years. When I spoke to Jack Sim from the World Toilet Organization two weeks ago, he's in Singapore. He was fairly optimistic that international travel would be back to fairly normal pre-COVID levels by mid-2022. If we had a crystal ball, we'd put a date on it. There's so many variables in the air. The one thing I know is as, as soon as that event light goes on and that the ball games are on and the music festivals are on, and it's it's not just the people who want to do it. You've got all of the rock musicians and performers haven't earned any money from live gigs over the past year. So they'll be keen to get back on stage. You can feel the pressure building, can't you? The people are just absolutely chomping at the bit to get back into live events. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Dalton, are we ready to field some questions from uh, some of the viewers today? Yeah, absolutely. We did get a few. Um, so, Pete, thank you for very much for uh, sharing your top 10 friends. Uh, we My pleasure. Appreciate your insights here. Just a quick plug before we dive into some of those questions. Thanks to all of our attendees here. I know we've got a really nice mix of current customers, prospective customers, people we've never talked to. So very happy to have that group on here. If you do have other questions that you'd like to follow up with us, we, you can reach out to Joy here at Service Corps. She can be your go-to person. So please feel free to reach out if you do have other questions there. That said, uh, here are a couple of the best questions, I would say. Pete, where do you see the biggest opportunities for growth in 2021? Hand wash stations. With, without a doubt, everybody wants hand wash stations. And we typically haven't done that terribly well in the past. I remember going to events and seeing a line of sanitizers, sanitizer dispensers just glued or stuck onto a board. I think people's expectations have gone beyond that now. Once those events start to come on, there'll be huge opportunity for restroom operators. And the challenge there is, have you got the stock? What we've seen, interestingly, is a lot of event fleet. So people would typically keep 100, 200 toilets in reserve for their event season. We've started to see that that event fleet has been deployed. So the demand for restrooms day to day has gone up. And obviously, if you've assets in the yard and you can use them, you're going to use them. The danger is that once the events start up, that there may not be toilets on the ground able to be deployed. That makes sense. And actually, in a similar vein to that, we actually just got a fresh question in that I think relates really well. It says, uh, when should we expect shortages in products to come back to normal? I know that Polyjohn and Satellite are fairly active about keeping their customers up to date and that the Portable Sanitation Association is fairly active about keeping operators up to date about the supply chain. I think they're working at, at fairly good capacity now. Talking to Formit in Australia last week, they're able to produce units. It's the shipping that's causing delays. So Port of Sydney has got a delay in products leaving the country. Port of Auckland in New Zealand's got delay on products coming into the country. Much of it is the mercy of the shippers. So if, if the freight lines increase, then we'll be back to normal fairly quickly. I don't think production is the issue. I think it's distribution. Got it. I've certainly seen that in other industries as well. Uh, yeah. With ordering things for Christmas and whatnot, it's, it's so much harder to <laughs> get them in time. First world problems there, but uh, certainly more impactful for the industry overall. Um, so Dalton, my Christmas present's been delayed. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. It's stuck okay. in the middle. <laughs> um, 
Cool. I think we've got time for at least one more question here. So uh, Pete, you talked about the new toilet flushing types. When do you see those playing a real role in the marketplace? Is that soon or is that still a few years out? Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier, we're a typically slow moving industry. So the toilets you see today are very similar to the ones that were being used 40 years ago. And I could take you out this afternoon and take you to any number of toilets that are 35, 40 years old that are currently in use. I don't think it will happen overnight. I think there'll be a number of early adopters. And it only takes one large, you know, if you had a big company like maybe, you know, USS or somebody who bought a fleet of these toilets and started to offer them. If you think back to when the luxury towable units came into common use, we had one or two providers brought them. They used them for their high-end events and charged a premium. Over the past three or four years, we've seen pretty much every restroom operator buy some form of towable toilet, and the price has come down. In order to maintain the price, the quality has to go up. So to charge premium rates, you have to buy a premium unit these days. I think we'll see that sort of model happen, that they'll come in as a new improved toilet. Customers will be attracted because they offer something unusual, something cleaner, something more hygienic. Maybe five years time, it will become more normal. There's too much money tied up in the standard open tank fleet for it to happen overnight. But as those open tank toilets start to reach the end of their working life, maybe restroom operators will replace them with flushing and maybe those flushes will be vacuum flushes. Pete, are you seeing any um, of this technology into the hand washing stations? I know we've talked about the vacuum you know, yeah. technology in toilets, but uh, I was curious to see if you've seen it in any hand washing type stations. I haven't, and I'd love to, because some of the hand washing systems that I've seen, you know, you get bladders inside, so the, the bladder that holds the wastewater sits inside the fresh water. You still see rubber, almost like wine bag type taps. And I like a good flow of water. You know, when I'm washing my hands, I like to lather up and then I like to press the faucet or have a the, the restroom that you see in the airport where you just hold your hands up and it all operates automatically. I'd love to see that in hand wash stations for the restroom market. Really would. It seems, too, that uh, in the northern part of the United States and in Canada, freezing hand wash stations is, is a big thing. So if you could, you know, vacuum jet it into a, a tank, possibly where it's you know, in one place that you just have to keep warm. Yeah. It seems like that might also solve it. So yeah, I was just kind of interested in a few solutions. Solutions to freezing. I, I, I'm keen to do an episode on that because I see so many posts on Facebook and in the online forums, how do we stop water freezing? Toilets are easy because you can put a brine in, put salt brine, but nobody wants to wash their hands with salt brine. So much harder challenge in hand basins, much harder. I, I'm sure uh, Dalton and, and Joy could uh, get fairly quite a few operators, and and we could definitely have that discussion. That sounds yeah. like a, a wonderful thing. Oh no, I'd, I'd love to produce an episode on that. So if I can plug the season, so we're we're just coming up to the end of season one, and we'll be starting a full season next year. Continue on the weekly theme, and I'm always keen to feature and spotlight restroom operators, suppliers, software companies. I'm completely independent. So if somebody wants to come on the show and have a conversation about any topic, the editor-in-chief is me. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of autonomy there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Pete, we actually just got one more question. And then also, yeah. please feel free to plug away, uh, you know, in addition to your season, <laughs> let people know where to find you, how the yeah. best best way to reach you is. 
So why don't you do that first, and then we'll hit this one last question here before we Okay, so Get Flushed is on all of the major and the smaller platforms that you listen to podcasts on. It's on uh, Apple, Spotify, it's on Amazon Podcasts, and loads of others. But the easiest way to find us is just getflushed.online. Just type Get Flushed in, and we're starting to come up fairly high on the reports now. The shows are typically between 20 minutes and an hour long. I like to do one feature episode every month where I talk to an operator or a provider or a supplier. And then I do, I call them editorials, but I have focus episodes where I look at one particular theme. The software strand ran for about five or six weeks, and I don't think it's finished yet, John. I think we can go back and talk more about software in the future. Um, and the one question I'm asked by listeners is about the transition. So if you've already got a very successful paper-based or Excel-based system, the transition into a new software platform is fairly daunting for some operators. So maybe we'll revisit that. That's a great call based on the experiences that we've had uh, with with different folks, with different data sources and things like that. Um, yeah. So here is that last question there. Uh, how high is demand for portable toilet trailers? High. In New Zealand, it's a segment of the market that I haven't seen replicated in the US as much as I've talked to providers. I, I would suggest here there's a buoyant market for towable trailers. And this is anything from one portable toilet on a wee single axle trailer up to the big towable units. And I know Prestige in Auckland have just rolled out a 10 pan unit that they got from JAG, I think. There are a lot of advantages to customers being able to pick up their unit on a Friday, take it to their event and bring it back on a Monday morning. And I don't know that that's a particularly common model in the US. But got it. Okay, yeah. thank you. Um, I think we are just about out of time. So I think it's a great time to wrap yeah. things up. Once again, thank you very much to both Pete and John for joining us here and uh, producing some really interesting discussion, at least in my opinion. If you do have any questions, feel free to reach out to us or Pete online. Uh, we're both yeah. pretty easy to find. And then we will also be sending out a recording of this webinar tomorrow morning uh, if you'd like to circle back to any points that you found particularly interesting or if you'd like to share it out. Thanks again and have a great holiday season. Thank you, Don, and thank you, John, and the rest of the Service Corps team. Really enjoyed that. Have a great rest of your day, Pete. It's uh, 8 a.m. now there. In, uh, <laughs> it's time <laughs> for coffee. Wonderful, wonderful. Have a, have a good week. Everybody. Thank you so much. Kia ora. Great, thank you. It was a real pleasure to take part in that webinar, and I'd like to thank John, Dalton, and Joy for all of their help in making that happen. I know that the team at Service Corps have got some more webinars planned for later next year. And finally, before I close, I would like to ask you all again to please remind one family member, friend, colleague or complete stranger about Get Flushed and encourage them to listen to the show. We're available on all major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Amazon and of course through our own website, getflushed.online. Once again, thank you for your time. I've been Pete and you've been listening to Get Flushed, the portable sanitation podcast.